under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Now, when a guy who ended up becoming our national leader said, I can grab a woman anywhere, and she likes it, and then said, I made a mistake, they asked me, would I like to debate this gentleman? And I said, no. I said, if I were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. That is quoting one Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Yes, folks, he's a junior. Not only is one man named Joseph Robinette Biden, that guy was so full of himself, he's like, let's give my son this name. Including Robinette. You know, I've heard of Robin for a man's name, but... Mm -hmm. Best veterinarian that I know is Robin Emery. Yeah, Robin's a fine name, but Robinette? Sounds like a decoration. That's like... Sounds like something would come in a potpourri cup. Well, I mean, that's like... I mean, if I had a daughter and I named her Clarette, (laughs) (laughs) you know? I mean, that's... Yeah. You put the et on that. I mean, that's that's the French feminine, the E-T-T-E. Right, right. That's... That's weird, I man. Know, man, Joseph Robin Biden guy, Jr. That, that has to be a uh, that has to be a, a surname, though. Probably, it's so. got to be a surname that was passed on. Probably so, and that would make more sense. But welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, folks. Alongside me this evening, myself being Joey, we have Southern Wood, good old Clay here, and What's earlier up? today, the big announcement put out over YouTube was Joe Biden making it officially is now in the 2020 yeah. presidential race. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and I just, I was revisiting that moment where he said he would take, uh, he wouldn't debate Trump if they were in high school. I would take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. Trump. Now, <laughs> Trump didn't let that, uh, didn't let that happen. He said, crazy. See, he's now calling him Sleepy Joe. But Trump, at the time, after being threatened, said, Crazy Joe Biden is trying to act like a tough guy. Actually, he's weak, both mentally and physically. And yet he threatens me for the second time with physical assault. He doesn't know me, but he would go down fast and hard, crying all the way. Don't threaten people, Joe. (laughs) God, I love Donald Trump. I love him. Now, imagine Biden gets the nomination, which I do not think... Is a certainty because I don't think the early primary map works in Joe Biden's favor. Maybe in Iowa, but you know, Buttigieg is maybe he's the flavor of the month. But Buttigieg is effective. He's reaching people for now. Who knows? It could be like a Herman Cain thing, and you know, Buttigieg has been sleeping around on his significant other. Now that'd be a twist, wouldn't it? Though, yeah. I know. What if he was sleeping around with a woman? I know. Against his how, significant how other. How scandalous. 
I mean, that would really be something. Yeah, but you never know in politics. But Joe Biden today, you know, last night I was talking about how I can't stand certain, you know, politics is a symbolic fight to stoke the emotions to win and wield power. And I can't stand when we choose certain symbols and the news media does it for us, like certain symbolic moments. And the one instance I gave last night, before Joe Biden said a word this morning, was Charlottesville. I think what happened at Charlottesville was sickening, terrible. It should not have happened. But I also found it sickening, terrible, and probably shouldn't have happened for the national media and many in certain political circles, to take that violent, ridiculous moment and make it the symbolic representation of the great battle that's going on in our nation. Because the president said there are fine people on both sides. Okay. So Joe Biden comes out with his video this morning, his announcement video, and he says that moment. And they play in this video Biden put out the racist morons and some racist morons do exist mm-hmm. walking around which now to with be, tiki torches to be clear to be clear clear staged it was fake fake protest fake protest yeah but no i mean seriously i mean you could tell that i mean those cats whoa 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 carry, carry tiki, tiki torches, torches. I mean, that tiki didn't sound right. It, yeah, sound right, like, right. it sounded like a bad Sometimes word. Sometimes it could be like marbles in your mouth. But it, if you think that that just happened as, as a coincidence, no, it didn't. You're, you're, you're crazy. No, here's the thing. Here's what it was. There had been, let's remind ourselves of what was going on. There had been a big movement, especially after the awful shooting at the church in South Carolina. Right. Where the Confederate flag was taken down from the state capitol. This mm-hmm. led to people saying, let's take down more Confederate icons or statues or flags or whatever. So at Charlottesville, I guess the park was named after Robert E. Lee, and there's a big Robert E. Lee statue. I think there are people who, like, say, people wanted to rename Robert E. Lee here, the high school. There'd probably be a disagreement over it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are a lot of people who, you know, care about history. And then there are people who wanted to take it down because they thought it represented something, a point in our American history they didn't like. And I actually think there could be a fair argument, like a school, a high school. What should its name be? Maybe now that it's 56 years Later, since it was initially named, I don't know how long exactly, we could rename it. Sure. And that could be a fair argument by decent people. Yeah. And, fair and, and, and I can see both sides of that argument. Here in Montgomery, I mean, you've got Jefferson Davis High School. Right. You've got Robert E. Lee High School. And, I mean, to me, I mean, it, it really doesn't mean that much to me. Because, I mean, that's just J.D. and Lee. I mean, that's what they've always been my whole life. I don't really think about the connection to the person they're named after. Right. Actually, didn't even know that J.D. was 
Jefferson Davis for years. Right. That was just the the name of the school. I was in the private school system, and they were always referred to as J.D. Right. And but I think Dick Brubaker, I think, is the one that brought up the point that, you know, you got 95 percent African-American population going to these schools named Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis. There's a bit of an asymmetry there. You know, I can see, you know, would you rather it be named Carver? You know. You're right. We already have a high school named that, but I see the point. But, but, but like, there's a there's a legitimate. But George Washington Carver, right? uh, Senior high. You know, I mean, that's named after an African American. I mean, you've got uh, Georgia Washington, which we don't have anymore, but used to be. Yeah, I mean, you've got those. uh, Dunbar was named in. So. but I say I don't get butt hurt over stuff like that. No, and and I think most people would go okay. They don't like the tone that comes in, and so when you were talking about how the tiki torches were fake, what happened is this moment is going on an argument over the Robert E. Lee statue in Charlottesville, Virginia. Some people had a permit. The day that all the stuff went down. Mm-hmm. And I think there can be people who go, I want to keep it this way. And they can make that argument. But what happened is extreme groups, I would say people who are overzealous slaves to their ideology, on the left and the right, decided to seize this opportunity. In particular, the night before, the stupid tiki torch march, well, you will not replace us. Well, excuse me, gentlemen, if you keep doing that, yeah, people probably will, because people will not want to breed with you anymore. Unless they're very, very desperate. And you, well, ugh, ugh. But then there were the, the radicals on the left, the Antifa types, who are like, let's go and prepare for a fight. I saw this stuff boiling up online. I knew something like this would happen. What I should have not been naive about is how the media would take the ball and run with it. That the people on the alt-right, white nationalist, whatever group, do not represent most people on the right. They don't. The people, excuse me, pardon me, on the Antifa far-left portion of the left don't represent most Democrats I know and talk to, that I would call even friends. But they are just so ready to take one another on. They're so ready. And they got exactly what I thought would happen. Somebody ended up dead. But what the media has done is they've taken what should have been a conflict between, again, overzealous slaves to their ideology and their political fits, a few hundred people, and it now represents... A battle between the millions of people concerned with political action in this country. And in particular, they wanted to pin it, pin the racist tale on the president. Yeah. And it's just disgusting. I am so tired of defining our political battles by the most violent, idiotic events that occur and then trying to cast collective blame on our leaders. There are some times when definitely, whether it's Donald Trump or Barack Obama or George W. Bush or Bill Clinton or whomever, the leaders deserve blame. Fair enough. 
But in this case, it's now not just the media, it's Joe Biden saying this is now a fight for the soul of the nation. And at the beginning of his video, this is interesting, because at the press conference where Trump said they were fine people on both sides, and he goes on to say, I'm not talking about the white nationalists or the neo-Nazis, whoever you want to call them, but there are people there looking for a fight. There were people who showed up looking for a fight. And then there were people who were there to, you know, talk about the statue and the park. Right. So, but Joe Biden, how he starts his campaign announcement video this evening, I'll present it this evening, he put it out this morning, is he quotes the Declaration of Independence written by Thomas Jefferson. Trump points out in that press conference where he made the faux pas, find people on both sides, are you going to take Jefferson down? He was a slave owner. Mm Mm-hmm. Jefferson is called the American Sphinx for a reason. He was a complicated man. I mean, by many accounts, he wanted to get rid of slavery at the beginning of the Republic when he's writing the Declaration. But it was not feasible, politically speaking. When you have the Louisiana Purchase and the expansion of the United States westward, he probably knew that slavery would expand, but it was necessary for the Republic to expand as well. He didn't like it. This is often the choices we have in politics. There are no ideal situations. But this over-the-top idea that this is the battle for the soul of the nation is absolutely ridiculous. It's asinine. And you know what? I've heard, I've heard stuff like this from the left and the right. I'm tired of people buying and biting down hook, line, and sinker into this idea that we are always on the side of the angels and they're on the side of the damned. And and that's what that's what politics has devolved into is it is nothing more than a game, just like a sporting event. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 really sad. You know, the one thing about Bernie Sanders, Bernie is a nutbag. I mean, he is crazy. He's out there, got some weird ideas, but at least he has ideas that he talks about. Fair enough, yeah. You know, I mean, he goes personal a little bit, but it's pretty much Bernie being Bernie. The thing that that I don't like about this rollout that uh, Biden has had, he is starting his campaign with, let's divide the country again. Right. We have to divide the black people and the white people. Right. And, and then if you've, also, got, if you've got white guilt, right. you've got to be on the side of me with the black people. Well, and Biden's the poster boy for it in many ways. He's like, I could have been better on certain issues throughout the days. I mean, there's a great piece I just shared on my Book of Faces page that makes a wonderful argument that Joe Biden is in many ways the architect of the drug war we've seen. He's... he's sponsored so many pieces of legislation in the 80s and continued with it in the 90s, the tough on crime era, where it really did lead to too many people being locked up for way too long for nonviolent crimes. It also led to massive amounts of civil asset forfeiture. The government suspects you of a crime, so they seize your cash, your goods, whatever. And then you have to prove you're innocent in order to get it back. And even if you show that you didn't commit a crime, well, it's going to take a little while for us to get it back to you. See. Well, and, and I don't want to attribute this to him. If I'm wrong, correct me, because you'll remember, is he not the one that said about President Barack Obama, that boy would have been bringing us coffee 10 years ago? No, that was Bill Clinton. Was that Clinton? That was okay. Bill. All right. But what Biden? Democrats no, in general. You're though. close though. What Biden said oh, that got him was, in trouble. He was clean, clean, articulate, and smelled good. 
I'm pretty sure he threw some out. So it's just weird stuff like that. But I think also Biden and the Democrats in general have this boy who cried wolf moment. And I think in many ways this is what helped Trump so much in 2016. Is you had, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Mitt Romney, but you had Mitt Romney, who by most accounts is a pretty straight laced guy. Oh, but no, 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 now see, there's where you're wrong, Joey. Remember, he gave a boy a noogie. In high school. You mean he must his hair? He must his hair. Well, oh, and he, he's the guy with the dog on the top of the roof. What a bastard. put an animal outside. Dogs hate the wind when the car's driving. Never stick their head out the window. No. Ever. No, but this, and then they made fun of him for, I have, I have binders full of women. When we're, he's trying to show that he made an extra effort to hire women in particular for his office. In his private business, working for the Olympics, and they made it out to be like binders full of women, huh, Mitt? And also during that cycle, Joe Biden said to a mostly black crowd, they want to put y'all back in chains. Mm-hmm. So I think Joe Biden in particular, and many on the Democratic Party, when you have been calling Republicans either evil, stupid, racist, or all three for a generation, if not more, people stop listening. Because there are differences between, say, Donald Trump, Mitt Romney, John McCain, George H.W. Bush, Bob Dole, Reagan. There were there are differences. And I could find policies all day as a libertarian that I disagree with Republicans on. But I am, at this point, so tired of... This good versus evil argument. Good exists in the world, evil exists in the world. But if we're always framing it in terms of our political team and the opposing team, I don't think that's how actually good and evil work very often. It's not very often. There's occasionally things like the Nazis you got to deal with. But it's very rare that it's like true evil you get to take on. And I don't think many people are actually ready to take on true evil. I was listening to a... I've mentioned them a lot lately. I've really been getting into psychologists a lot lately. I think they are providing a lot of wisdom and providing a nice center. Not necessarily politically speaking, but like how we think about things. One of those guys is named Jonathan Haidt. To give a little bit of his background before we take the break, he was always a man of the left. He grew up and was his parents were Democrats. He'd always voted Democrat. But he was starting to see the polarization in the country and how people were talking about the other side. And then, so he's like, well, actually, let me use my expertise, psychology, to figure out what's going on here. So he actually started talking to conservatives, like Thomas Sowell, the guy we were talking about who had the two visions of human nature, the constrained and unconstrained. And then Jonathan Haidt's like, well, actually, I believe in the constrained vision, just like this conservative thinker, Thomas Sowell. Edmund Burke's got a lot of great points. There is actually, there are plenty of conservatives, this Democrat, this left-wing guy, Jonathan Haidt, realized there are a lot of people on the right, a lot of conservatives that make a lot of sense, and they're good people. And yet my hoity-toity liberal friends just think they're a bunch of knuckle-scraping Neanderthals who are racist and backwards and all this stuff. What's going on here? So he started to think about why do people team up? And they were actually able to track that before you ever get to facts, before you ever get to values... Before you ever get to policy issues, the reason most people are conservative or liberal has a lot to do with your temperament. They were able, it's called the big five personality quiz. And just for example, like both sides believe in fairness, 
But conservatives define fairness a little bit differently than liberals define fairness. Liberals tend to define fairness more with that big E equality principle. Whereas conservatives tend to think of fairness as you do the crime, you do the time. Justice in its very traditional sense. Mm-hmm. You get your just desserts. So they both believe in fairness. There's a slight disagreement there. But what's like the big defining difference? Well, liberals tend to be a little bit more open. They like ideas to flow. They like different types of people, they claim. But that's the general idea. Like, yeah, the border's a great, just the border issues are great, for instance. We want things to be open. We want people to come here. There aren't going to be too many problems with it. Whereas conservatives tend to like things that are more orderly. They like things in their place as they've been in their place. So before we even start talking about, say, the border issue and immigration, before we can even understand one another's facts and where one another are coming from in terms of values, people just, like, on a personality, psychological level, their temperament is just so different. So that, And we don't leave room to try to understand where the other side is coming from. But there's another thing Haight got into recently, Jonathan Haight. If you want to look him up, I believe his last name is spelled H-A-I-D-T. He was really getting into what people are teaching their children now. The so-called snowflake generation. People even younger than I am. I'm kind of an older millennial. Generation Z, whatever you want to call people now in high school and college. And of course, when we paint with a broad brush, there are, I'm sure, good people that are young. That yeah, there's uh, always going to be an exception. The generational there. stuff is, I think, sometimes gets a little silly. But he talked about what they were teaching young kids. If you teach young kids, for instance, that whatever is uncomfortable and might hurt a little bit, cause a little bit of pain and suffering, I'm not talking about something that's life-threatening or really going to maim you or something. But, you know... A good example is this. He gave public speaking class. They were people that didn't want kids to have to engage in public speaking because public speaking, for the vast majority of people, is scary as hell. Yeah. So because it's uncomfortable and scary as hell for people, let's not make the children do it. Everybody, everybody should have to do that at least once. To see what it feels like. Because some people might go, I'm never doing that again, and fair enough. But some people might go, even though that was uncomfortable... I kind of liked it. I got a rush out of Talk to any comedian who's really made it. The first year or two, you feel uncomfortable as hell. You're probably not that good at it, but it's a work in progress. And, it, and you it's, get better out of that adversity. It's not only that. It gives you a greater appreciation. We had, a, we had an issue uh, at the church that we go to a couple of weeks ago where the Sunday school teacher, something happened, an emergency came up. And he called another fella and said, hey, can you teach a Sunday school class yeah. this morning? And this dude is a salesman by trade. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what he does. Right. And he got up there, and I'm Joey, he was shaking, he was nervous, he stuttered and stammered all the way through the lesson. He says, I hadn't been able to repair, I don't really know exactly, and, and, and he, he got through it, and he did a fine job. And when it was over, I mean, he was sweating. Yeah. I'm talking armpits through his Sunday coat. Sure. Sweating. And he told me, he said, Clay, I'll tell you one thing, I will never sit in the class again and not make a comment. That's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm like, dude, you did fine. Right. Yeah, I mean, you did fine. But it is nerve-wracking. But the point is this, is that if you teach your kids that anything that 
causes a little adversity, makes it uncomfortable, makes them stressed out, that hurts a little bit, is always bad. How is that person ever going to grow? They're not. And then number two, and it's back to a point I just made earlier. Especially if you're teaching young people, if you believe in these certain things, you're always on the side of the good. You're always on the side of the angels. You're always on God's side or the right side of history, if you don't want to use the word God, whatever. And and you say that other side who has different opinions and values is always on the side of Satan and the devil. They're always bad and suspect in their motives. You are going to lead to a lot of brittle people that can't handle any opinion different than their own, who will then start equating things like speech as violence— I mean, you and it. Yeah, luckily, and, and if you disagree with me, it's not even that you're just wrong. It's that you are evil. I mean, right. you, just, you just made a great statement. Right. It is. It is good versus evil, and the left believes. And this is what we have a hard time as the conservative uh, right. We have a hard time believing that the left has that same passion for what they believe in. Right. They think we're the conservative evil. So, And if we lose this room for actual robust debate and instead descend more and more into it's just a symbolic fight to stir people up, tell the other people the other side are a bunch of sinners, they're bad in order for us to win power because we're at a big fight here. It's not going to work out well. If everything's a battle for the soul of America, good God, come down from your high horse, Joe, or anybody else like Joe, Republican or Democrat, I don't care, and relax and realize we're all Americans. And though we might disagree passionately on certain things, those disagreements have to be shared honestly. We'll be right back. Joey Clark. Joey Clark. Welcome back, folks. Got a couple people online here. First, I want to tell folks, I mentioned it earlier, talking to the guys from Ernest Financial, Health and Wealth. Uh, I'm getting these gains, these arms, this chest. I finally have a chest, not just the front of my back, by going to Express Fitness 24 7. Mm-hmm. I've fallen in love with it. I, I am loving the workouts I'm getting in. I went in early this morning before. An interview with the Salvation Army and got a good uh, squat workout and some deadlifts. Uh, I feel good for it, though. It used to be a chore. Now it's something I look forward to in the mornings. Right. And I love the fact it's in the name. 24-7 access. Once you become a member, you get a key fob. You can go in whenever it meets your schedule. But it's also just a month-to-month commitment. And, and that's the big thing. It's no long-term commitment. Right. So if you want to try it out and you're like, ah, it's not for me, I don't think that will necessarily be the case, especially if you really go for it. But it is not a huge year-long commitment. Well, don't you think that kind of motivates you a little bit, too? Right. Because, I mean, every month when that bill comes, you're like, no, nah, I'm going to stick at this. I'm going to stick right. at this instead of being tied into something and you're feeling like, well, crap, there's my monthly dues that I'm not using. Well, and if you go to expressfitness24.com, that's expressfitness, the number 24.com, you can check out uh, some of the locations. I'm going to the Zelda Road location near Montgomery, but locations in Wetumpka, Prattville, Millbrook, Clannon, and Pine Level. 
mm-hmm. and state of the art equipment. Every time I'm in there, I'm not wanting for you know equipment or having to wait. There's plenty to do, whether it's weight machines, cardio machines, free weights. Uh, so much going on. I love getting in that power rack, getting a bench done, squat, getting the deadlift in. I'm liking those compound lifts. And then you can do the glamour stuff like look your bice up in the mirror if you want to be too vain. But no, it's fun, folks. It's a great thing to do. You, not everybody has the same goals. And you can tell them, here's my goals that I'm going for in terms of my fitness. They'll give you a few <laughs> free initial personal training. Uh, workouts to get you on the right path. So check them out, Express Fitness 24-7. That is expressfitness24.com, and tell them Joey sent you if you find yourself there. So we were talking before the break about this, I think, overwrought sense that it's always a battle of good versus evil. You know, it might be one thing when Ronald Reagan saying that about, you know, the evil empire of the Soviet Union. But I don't think Trump doesn't even say that about China. Or even North Korea. You mean like, you mean China? Like when I see stuff out of North Korea, I'm very ready to call them evil. But I think Trump understands flattery is a good way to get in the good graces of strong men. I'm wondering what will come out of this uh, Vladimir Putin Kim Jong Un meeting that, that happened today. That is pretty interesting. Hopefully, it'll lead to something good. I don't care who gets the credit if the nukes are gone on the Korean Peninsula. Fantastic news. Fantastic news. Well, because it's a lot better than millions dying in some massive war. Mm-hmm. A lot better. Again, in politics, we never get perfect answers or solutions. That's right. And, really you, and you can't, and that's what you have to be willing to do, or what they need to be more willing to do. You can't assassinate the good for the perfect. Right. Exactly. You know. Don't make the perfect the enemy of the good. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how I, I view Trump. That's how I, I've, I've grown up a little bit. I'm not as idealistic, and I'm not as cynical. I, I'm still pretty cynical. But, you know, I'm trying to find the good in all the muck and the mud of our politics. But there's some people who have been very patient on the phone. So let's go to, ooh, I like this name, Smooth Operator. Smooth Operator. How you doing? I'm good. How you guys doing? Oh, good. Doing well. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I um I'm enjoying the conversation, as always, on a bring-it-home note uh, down here in Alabama. I do want to mention, I called for one of the sponsors of the show, but mainly. But uh, I have noticed a few great bipartisan efforts here in Alabama this past week. So yes. that's always a plus. Um, Whether the paper lottery or medical cannabis, I, I love these things. That Yep, yep. Uh, it's a bipartisan effort in the House for... Uh, Two monuments to be built, uh, no color, black and white, simple as can be. But, uh, Joe, you took the, word, the words right out of my mouth earlier. I wanted to call Express Fitness is excellent. I was even in there the other morning, and Alex gave me a few tips on some morning warm-up routines that was very helpful to me. So thank you for putting me on them. Absolutely. that. Thank you for doing that, man. Thank you for following up. Uh, I yep. really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate y'all and appreciate everything you do. Keep All it right. up. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. All right, brother. Have a good evening. And look at this. We have a chef extraordinaire, Josh, on the line. Hey, Josh, Josh. what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Josh. Are you doing all right tonight? Yeah, yeah, doing good. A little frustrated, but what else is new? <laughs> well, I heard that, and I was going to try to deflect off of that a little bit. I agree with 100% of what you were saying, but... Um, I'm sorry, man. I just froze up. No, that's well, I was right. going to say, um, 
It happens. Hey, no, Josh, I'm only talking to a thousand we, something it, people. Yet. Dude, we all we all get stage fright from time to time. Thousands of people, Josh, are judging you right Speaking now. Of, so relax. Uh, the medical marijuana bill yeah. uh, in Alabama. Um, I think it's a great thing, man. I think it really should go through. It's helped a lot of people. I, as a matter of fact, I talked to my buddy who's the chef I'm working for. Yeah. His mother has severe anxiety, and we're so unfortunate talking, and she's a big believer in CBD oil yeah. and you know medicinal marijuana for her anxiety. She, she lost her husband and the son within you know, about a six-month period. Oh, so... Uh, and it's been a complete game changer for her. She tried all the pharmaceuticals. Uh, it's several different medications that are highly toxic. But this is what she leveled out on. And it's just a, a beautiful thing. If, you know, there's carcinogens if they're in hell and smoke with anything else. But I think it's a good thing if Alabama will break loose from the old stigma of, you know, Marijuana is a bad thing, you know, the reefer madness kind of deal, and and go through with it. It'll help so many people. Absolutely. Especially epileptic people, uh, anxiety, PTSD, all that. It's really a good thing, and I think the mentality within the state, and the nation's already proved it, that, you know, majority of the states already said, hey, we're going to go with it. Well, and we're seeing um, we're yeah. seeing really cool things though in places where it, it's fully legal. Of what they're finding is there's like a hundred or something cannabinoids, different types that you not oh. the THC, but cannabinoids you can isolate, and they do different things for the body. Um, so I think the more science comes to bear on it, and the consumer market comes to bear on it, you'll get more than just you know buying some cannabis or buying some pot on the street. Uh, you're oh, going to find all sorts of products that help people in all sorts of different ways. Absolutely, and one thing I'll share with you, it's becoming kind of a culinary culture, too. Yes. Uh, a lot of people are doing it, they're, they're you know, implementing into their cuisines, you know, having a, a six, seven, eight course meal with small amounts of CBD, THC incorporated in the meals. Dude, y'all just, look, now, now hold on, Josh, party. what you're doing is you're getting them, you're getting them high on some marijuana so they'll get hungrier and buy more food at the restaurant. I know what you're up to. <laughs> a little at a time, Clay. A little at a time. time. <laughs> but it's it's medicinal. You're doing you're doing a small setting. You're having your your closest friends next to you. You're having something that's not necessarily getting you quote unquote high, but relieving the tension a little bit. But you know, all in all, I'm saying it. it I don't see any fault with it. When my father, who was a strict military man, told me, Josh, the day it comes illegal, I'll I'll, I'll do it. Hmm. And I said, well, gosh, this can't be that bad, can it? But, uh, no, there's a lot of good promise in both medical and, you know, culinary, oh, I'm, recreationary. I'm, I'm very aware of all this stuff going on. There's a lot of cool things happening with it. And uh, yeah. and I think the more people come and become informed about 
The good and the bad. I mean, I'm not going to say it's some utopia, you know, product or point. Oh no, it, but no. you know, but the, I think it's a it's a good movement and it's about time. It's my big argument at this point is not about the virtues or vices of cannabis. It's more about the failure of a government prohibition by the uh, government's own standards and goals. Yeah. They have utterly failed and it's been failing for decades at the cost of a lot of money. And a lot of people's lives, I think, uh, ruined being caught up in the black market. Yeah. And uh, it's about time we, we change the approach when you're talking about the law. And, and you've got two things that you have to fight here in Alabama. The biggest thing we have to fight is that's the devil's lettuce. Yeah, right. And, I mean, I mean the, you know, the Southern Baptists are not going to say, yep, we need to have, you know, marijuana in the state. And the other thing is, I mean, you just have to look at it realistically. What's it going to do to the Xanax market? <laughs> I mean, what, what's it going to do to Pfizer when you can, you know, when you can go do something, you know, get some some drops or some oil or vape it or ever how you intake it, and you don't need to get your Xanax refilled, you know, once a month. You you can handle your stress like you were talking about, uh, you know, in another way, uh, and I mean that's I mean you're fighting you're fighting big money, man. I mean that's that's like that's worse than fighting tobacco or well, alcohol. The alcohol, well, but the alcohol lobby doesn't like it either because it's no, a replacement product. That's right. Ways. Instead of instead of going home and drinking, you know, two beers when you get home, you go home and you know take a puff and right. You so, know, calm down. So, but I, I, Josh, I appreciate the call, man. You bring up this yeah. topic. Absolutely, guys. I enjoyed it. Hey, good call, brother. Yeah, I mean that's that's three sides of that argument oh, yeah. that are fighting against. Well, and then also we've seen places that have legalized it for medical reasons as well as recreational reasons, and then they come up with some crony scheme where it's highly taxed and only a few people are allowed to grow it and all well nonsense. Like it's some it at the end of the day it's a plant that you can grow, and you don't have to do much to it in order for it to work. And we're going to regulate it like to hell so a certain group of people can get rich. It's crony capitalism at its worst. And, and see, that's my idea, Joey. I mean, I have the same idea about marijuana as I do about slot machines. Mm-hmm. Back make, of your truck? You're going to make be... them legal. <laughs> I got a slot machine on the back of my truck. Right. And my garden, instead of being full of tomatoes right, right now, some, They'd be full of marijuana. Some, some cannabis sativa. Yeah. Yeah. Get you that I nice, mean, uh, that's buzz, and, that energy boost. Hey. Or you can get that cannabis indica that gives you that nice, sleepy, anti-anxiety, a little couch locked. You know? no, I mean, knock yourself out is what I say. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm so big into personal responsibility. This is where the, the conservatives and the, sure. the right disagree with me. But I'm 100% into personal responsibility. Yeah, likewise. Me personally... You want to take heroin? Knock yourself out. It's a really bad decision. It's Don't do very it. Very stupid. Go on in mainline if you want to. However, do not come with a gun to my house and take money out of my checking account no. to pay for this guy that's on the street well, because I he know, did heroin. I know what happens you under did, your house, though. Southern Wood abides. Why do you think I gave you that paddle? You're exactly right. And you got more than a paddle, I'm sure, too. <laughs> I have. Do not know of what you speak no, of. No, no, yeah, Joey. no, but I have to say, you know, I wrote something back in the 2016 cycle, and I'm being reminded of the same things now as the 2020 presidential cycle heats up. And it, it's like a, a horse race, you know. 
But calling it a horse race, this democratic process, is kind of an inexact analogy or metaphor. At least when it comes to a horse race, the crowd assembled to watch, you know, the competition must do so passively. They may you can place your bets on and however you wish. You can cheer on your favorite pony or your favorite jockey, but the winner is decided by the virtue of the horse and his jockey. How absurd would it be in a horse race if it was decided at the betting window instead of the track? Now, sometimes that happens, and it's very illegal, and people don't like it. But this is exactly the absurdity of our democratic process. It's what it offers us. Winners decided by the highest bidders and the whims of the mobs hooting and hollering. The more bets placed on the number five horse, let's call it Bernie Sanders, the faster he rides. The more silver-haired ladies who like the number seven horse because he has cute ears of the same name as their cat, the more furious he plows towards the finish line. Now, most competition regards such popularity contests as removed from the virtues of the sport. Auburn football might be popular. Alabama football might be popular. Seeing Auburn get to the Final Four was a Great phenomenon and a great thing to watch for the state of Alabama and everybody who loves that stuff. Ty but, Jerome double dribbled. Yeah, no, go ahead. I did. I saw that. I, I know. But it's it, we can yell that all we want, but it's usually decided by the virtue of what happens on the court, on the playing field. But once possessed, no amount of popularity can save a player from making a mistake or from a ref making a bad call. Yet under our current process, our democracy, even though we're a republic, is exactly the name of the game. To win favor with the crowd. Democracy is the sport of public relations, or as it used to be called, propaganda. And propaganda is most effective when it bypasses the conscious mind, the thinking mind. It goes right to the bowels. The closest the current race for the presidency has ever, well, been an actual horse race. Well, the closest it was is when uh, Carly Fiorina, you know how they asked him that stupid question in the debates? Now she was horse face. No, that, she, that no. He called Stormy Daniels horse oh, face. Oh my bad. <laughs> no, and he, Trump just said, "Look at that face. That couldn't be president." No, but they asked all the candidates, "What would your Secret Service code name be?" And Carly Fiorita said, "Secretariat." <laughs> Gosh, some of these things you just forget. Remember Trump's? Do you do you remember Trump's Secret Service she's, code name? She's big into horses, man. I know. Fair enough. There's nothing wrong with that. Do you remember Trump's? Secret Service code name? No, I don't. Humble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, let's just That's, skip the election. That is let's, perfect for him, though. Let's just skip the election, all the voting <laughs> and the vote tallying and all the debates. Let's just say Joe Biden is the Democratic champion and Donald Trump, the current president of the United States, is the Republican champion. Put him in the squared circle. Let him go at it like Biden said he'd do to Trump in high school. And that's who will be the next president of the United States. Bring it on. It'd be a lot better than listen to everybody bitch and moan for the next few months, and if not a whole year. Let these two old men fight it out. It'd be much more entertaining. It would be. And and Trump has lived through the Stone Cold Stunner. And it so. would and it would freak out the Chinese. It would freak out Putin. It's like, oh my God, look at them. Like, oh. Now see, that's what that's what it would be, Joey. In the middle of the match, Putin would come running. Yeah. He would do the run in. He's got a steel chair. And he would go in and he would hit Biden with the chair, knock him out. 
and then roll Trump on top of Biden. <laughs> Russian rigged it again. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, well. Are you listening, Vince McMahon? Are you listening? Oh, okay, pal. No, here, we're out of time. I'll talk to y'all tomorrow night. Have fun. Joey Clark.